Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Hello, Legacy Nashville family. On the very last Sunday of the year 2020, I am so excited that we are spending it together. I'm sure most of you are ready for this, e- this year uh, to come to a close and you are preparing to step victoriously into 2021 and you are believing as I am that this is going to be the best year of our lives. It's going to be the best year of our church's life and this is also going to be a year of inhabitation. If you've been around the last couple of weeks, and especially if you were at the volunteer Christmas party uh, this year, you heard Allison and I share about this particular word that we were sensing from the Holy Spirit that we must proclaim over this community, and that is the word of inhabitation. If you've not heard that up until this point, we want to share that with you today. 2021, church family, 2021 is going to be a year of inhabitation. If you don't mind, with me, right wherever you are, can you say that with me? 2021 is going to be a year of inhabitation. Now, um, you know, conceptually, I know what inhabitation means. I'm sure that you do as well. But, you know, to put a little research behind this word, I decided to look it up in the dictionary. And uh, here's what a habitation is. A habitation is a dwelling place. You might say a home. A habitation is a place to occupy. Now, an inhabitation implies action. And I love that. An inhabitation or to inhabit is to is the action of going in to occupy. It's the action of going in to take possession. And we know that in the natural, that's exactly what we're going to be doing at the end of this next month in January. We're going to go in to occupy 901 Dalebrook Lane. We're going to go in to take possession of our brand new home, our brand new church, uh, with the celebration of Legacy Weekend come the first weekend of February. Now, we know that, you know, it's obvious that we're doing that in the natural, but more than that, in the spiritual, it's not just us occupying the sanctuary. I believe with everything in me that God is personally going to be occupying that sanctuary even the more so. That we're going to move from temporary or Sunday to Sunday or Thursday to Thursday with the prayer room visitations, that we're going to move from visitation in 2021 into habitation in 2021. We are going to be a sanctuary that houses the glory of God. We are going to be a community that stewards the presence of God. We are going to be a people that literally host the presence of God in an unprecedented way in 2021. 2021, church, is a year of inhabitation. We're going to inhabit uh, that space. God's going to inhabit that space. It's going to be His house. It's going to all belong to Him, and it's going to be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. I also believe with everything in me that you are going to inhabit the places of your promises this year in 2021. There is going to be action taken by you to step in 
to the promised lands that you have received and heard about from the Lord. I, I believe this with everything in me that this is what God is speaking over our house. The places and the positions that God has spoken to you about 2021 is going to be your year to inhabit them. You're going to step into places. You're going to step into positions and you're going to inhabit those places to the glory of Jesus and in the name of Jesus. And I believe that's what God is speaking out over you as part of this family. I also believe that this community will inhabit the city this year. And we're going to we're going to bring we're going to take action. We're going to occupy uh, the city and we're going to bring revival and reformation to the city of Nashville. So as we kick off this message today, church, I just want to declare over you inhabit, go take your space, occupy your promises, mark your dwelling places and inhabit them in Jesus mighty name. Now, with that being said, I also want to reference back to something else. This is the, uh, the message today, something that, that came up during the um, volunteer Christmas party, and that was the story of Gideon. So if you'd like to open your Bible this morning to Judges chapter 6, we're going to read just a portion uh, of the story of Gideon. Uh, predominantly, we're going to focus on uh, Judges 6. We're not going to go through 7 and 8, although I will... Uh, elude to them. If you want to read the entire story of Gideon, you need to read Judges 6, Judges 7, and Judges 8, okay? But today I'm just going to hit on Judges 6, which is really about the call of Gideon. There's a calling from God to Gideon, just like there is a calling from God to you today as we are preparing to move into our promised land, into our promise, into our territory, into this new space called 2021. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. Judges chapter 6. And as you do that, I'd like to reflect on something that God spoke to me when we were first getting our start here in the city. As many of you know, we, we began not as a local church, but as a ministry and a missions base with Iris Global uh, through Heidi and Roland Baker. And we met in a living room when we first started. God certainly moved in that living room. There was like 60 to 70 people that came to that house at one point in time. And I remember being on the floor in prayer and crying out to God and the Spirit speaking to me saying, there's going to be a Gideon's army of 300. I'm going to give you a Gideon's army of 300. And I remember hearing that from the Lord, thinking to myself, God, it would be fantastic if you grew uh, this community to 300 people. To be honest, I really didn't have a ton of faith for 300 people at the time. I looked at the 60 or 70 people that were there and was mind blown that this many people would show up uh, to a worship community night on a Sunday evening down in Brentwood, Tennessee. And of course, now... Our church has grown beyond 300. Uh, it's grown into the nations uh, through you guys watching online all over the world. Uh, hello uh, to some of you watching in other countries and other states. We just thank you so much uh, for being a part of this family. But God has tarried and it's been God's will, as we've seen, to grow this body uh, beyond that number. And, uh, you know, we're never all about the statistics, but we are always all about the people. 
And during this year of COVID, uh, we've seen our church ebb and flow up and down like a roller coaster. Uh, you know, in the beginning, a lot of people staying locked in, watching uh, church online uh, over time. Some uh, no longer watching, some no longer attending, new people uh, attending. That's just the way the local church is. People come and go. People come and grow. And sometimes to grow means to go. And so we're okay with the ebb and the flow of the church. We understand uh, that God calls people elsewhere from time to time. But what we're not okay with is mediocre, apathetic, nominal Christianity and uh, taking breaks and timeouts from our purpose because of all of the craziness that's going on in the world. This is a moment in time in which we need to fasten ourselves to the altar. We need to cling to the person of Jesus. We need not make any excuses not to be wholly devoted and completely given over to the Lord. And that is the type of church that legacy is meant to be. And I believe that there is a remnant people that is coming out of 2020, just like Gideon's army of 300 that have prepared their hearts, that are fully ready to inherit and inhabit the places that God has promised his people about. I believe that's the word over this house. I believe that's the word over this city. I believe that's the word over you. And so that's what I want to share concerning today from Judges chapter 6. So, Let's consider the context real quick. Israel is a mess, okay? The church, if you will, is in a mess. And due to disobedience, that's why they're in the mess. Because that always happens throughout the scripture. When we as God's people choose to consistently disobey God, we are given over uh, to judgment. That's exactly what's happening here in the judges. And uh, so God was allowing Israel to be overrun uh, by an enemy. Uh, called Midian and the Midianites. And so that's where we find, um, that's where we find the hero of this passage, uh, Gideon, is we find him hiding in a wine press because the Midianites were consistently stealing all of the resources, okay? They were consistently taking, stealing all of the resources from God's people in Israel. And so perhaps you might even look at that as a parable for 2020, God's people hiding um, in, in, um, in obscurity, in fear, protecting what they have for fear that it will be taken from them if they do not. So it's a bit of a parable, I think, here in Judges uh, chapter 6. So let's start in verse 11 as we're introduced to the man Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth uh, at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Ab Abizarite, uh, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in a wine press. Now, I don't know anything about pressing wine and I don't know anything about beating wheat, but I know you don't beat wheat on the inside of a wine press. So wh what's happening here is that Gideon's literally, he's literally, uh, he's, he's beating the wheat. He, he, he's, he's, uh, he's cultivating food, uh, a resource uh, within uh, the security of a walled wine press. Okay, so he's hiding inside of a wine press because he knows that he is unsafe to expose his resources to the enemy. So he's hiding, okay? He's in seclusion, and that's what he's doing there. He, he's threshing out uh, grain in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord supernaturally appears to Gideon, and he says to him, listen to what he says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Other translations say, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
And instead of Gideon, you might speak that over yourself today. The Lord is with me. I am a mighty warrior. Come on, let's leave 2020 in that spirit. The Lord is with me, mighty warrior. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is truly with us, then why has all this happened to us? You might be thinking that yourself at the end of 2020. If God has blessed me, if the Lord has been with me, then why in the world has this happened to me? Well, you would have good biblical company here in Gideon. And the Bible picks up here and says, and where all where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, uh, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? Did not the Lord bring us out of slavery, bring us out of bondage? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might, might. There's that word again. You're a mighty warrior. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Uh, do not I send you is what God asked. And then Gideon responds again. We see this. He says, and he said to him, please, Lord, how could I save Israel? I'm just one person. How could I change the world? I'm just one person living in Nashville, Tennessee. How could I make a difference, right? And uh, he says, how could I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh. And not only am I a part of the weakest clan, but I am the least in my father's house. Uh, so, you know, obviously Gideon doesn't really have a ton of self-esteem here. And it says, and the Lord said to him, but see, the Lord responds again. He says, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as they as though they are one man. Now, uh, the, the army of the Midianites, which we'll get into in just a moment, uh, is about a over 120,000 people. Okay, and so how could one man, Gideon's looking at himself, say, how in the world could I, as one person, defeat over 100,000 foot soldiers uh, in Midian? But then God says, well, I'm with you. I'm sending you. And so we know this, that one man and, and one God uh, named Jesus, one God, uh, Yahweh, that there's always a majority when God is with one person, one man or one woman. So what we've established here by looking at this passage of Scripture is that Gideon is actually quite fearful. Gideon is very afraid. That may articulate your attitude today coming out of 2020, uh, is that you have just spent the year in fear. You have spent the year in fear of death. You've spent the year in fear of sickness. You've spent the year fearing for the lives of your loved ones. You've spent the year fearing for your finances or maybe something else, but you've spent a lot of time in fear. So you're not really considering yourself as someone that God may want to use. If that's the position you find yourself in today, know that Gideon was in a very, very similar place, which is exactly why he is hiding. And in the midst of Gideon's hiding, an angel shows up and proclaims a wonderful thing over his life. And that is that God is with him, one, and that he is a mighty warrior, two. And it's amazing what the revelation that God is with you will do to your spirit. One moment you could be afraid and in hiding. And when you recognize through revelation that God is in fact with you, that will transform your spirit into a spirit of a mighty, mighty warrior. So this is an incredible greeting. 
And yet Gideon still grumbles, doesn't he? He says, hey, if the Lord is surely with us, he starts complaining. And so then God doubles down. Hey, go in the might, go in this might, go in this might. Uh, and then Gideon goes back. And, you know, it's a little, little game of ping pong here between the angel of the Lord and Gideon. And Gideon's trying to convince the angel that he's not worthy. And the angel's uh, trying to convince uh, Gideon that God is with him. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like my prayer life. Um, you know, I, I can definitely tell you, I do this with the Lord uh, quite a bit. And of course, God eventually wins over and we see him give three promises as Gideon gives three protests. And just to remind you of what those are is that Gideon, A, is hiding in a wine press. And then God shows up and says, I'm with you, mighty warrior. Uh, B, uh, Gideon says, well, God has forsaken me. And then God responds and said, go in this might. And then thirdly, uh, Gideon says, well, I'm the weakest and the smallest. But then God responds again and says, I am with you. Therefore, you will win. What I want you to know, church family, is this. God believes in you way more than you believe in him. I want you to write that down this morning. Take that as a fact into 2021. God believes in you way more than you believe in him. No matter your protest, no matter your lack of confidence, no matter your low self-esteem, God has plenty more promises than you have protest. He believes in you so much more than you believe in him. This brings me to my first point today. I'm going to give you what I'm calling uh, the pledge of the mighty. That is the title of the message today, the pledge of the mighty. So this pledge is going to be about taking three commitments this morning, preparing us for 2021. And here is the first commitment of the mighty, the pledge of the mighty. Point one, make this choice. 2021 is the year I choose to believe what God says about me. All right. Write these down, please. 2021, point one, 2021 is the year that I choose to believe what God says about me. I want you to make this choice this morning, church. No more hiding. No more reluctantly hoping that things are going to get better. I want you to step up and step out in 21. Be bold. God is with you and God proclaims over you that you are in fact his mighty warrior. Just like Gideon, you may feel like you're the smallest. You may feel like you're the weakest, but God says that he is with you, church. And that means that you have everything that you need at your disposal to win. If God be for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Just like Gideon, though you may uh, lack self-esteem, though you may lack, lack confidence, you do not lack in God's presence. Therefore, you have everything that you need to overcome as a mighty warrior. God increases Gideon's stature as he speaks to him and he decreases Midian's stature. Have you noticed this in the last part? He said, you shall strike the Midianites as one man, meaning, you know, that army of over a hundred thousand foot soldiers, I'm going to reduce their stature so that as you fight them, it's going to be like fighting one human being. 
and I guarantee you're going to overcome. How mind-blowing is that revelation? What a boost to Gideon's self-confidence. Uh, not just confidence within his own strength, but confidence in who God is through him that, that God would reduce that size of an army down to one person that Gideon might overcome. Would you take on the perspective of Gideon for your 2021 that this is how God is going to move through your life all throughout this year? He's going to increase your stature, giving you revelation revelation about his love for you and he's going to decrease the stature of your enemies. He's, he's going to decrease the stature of the barricades and the blockades that Satan tries to put in front of you to keep you separated from your promised land. God is going to move through your life in 2021 like never before. You have the spirit of an overcomer. You are a mighty warrior and this is God's opinion of you. So you cannot afford to have a different opinion about yourself. Check with God and listen to what he has to say. 2021 is going to fall in pleasant places because of how the Holy Spirit is going to move upon you. Mighty warrior of God. God guarantees you victory just like he guaranteed Gideon. That means he'll defeat any army that comes against you. Now, of course, we know the story. And if you want, you can go through Judges chapter 7, Judges chapter 8. And I want you to read that story as homework as you prepare to enter 2021 and recognize something really cool. Gideon actually goes out and defeats this Midian army of over 100,000 soldiers with a tiny army of just 300 people. Isn't that amazing? Just absolutely incredible story uh, from Judges 6, 7, and 8. Uh, obviously, he didn't go alone in defeating the Midianites, but he did go with that army of 300. And so in order to lead that army of 300, something had to transpire in Gideon's spirit. He went from hiding uh, in a wine press, uh, you know, cultivating a meal, to stepping out into the public eye. And it, the Bible says that he made a clarion call, that he blew a trumpet and he began to assemble armies uh, to join him in the fight against Midian. These were people who were previously afraid to inhabit the territory that God had for them. But because of Gideon's leadership, God had raised up Gideon. He was able to cast that call and he was able to stand as a leader that God had appointed and anointed and people would begin to rally around Gideon so that they could inhabit this territory. So what happened? Church, what happened between um, Gideon being afraid and hiding in a wine press to him stepping out and becoming the leader of God's people in Israel? I can tell you what happened. Gideon got anointed. Gideon got anointed. How did Gideon get anointed? Well, if, you, if you'll do the homework this week, you can read through uh, Judges 6 and 7, and you'll notice that Gideon goes to take action on two altars. Okay, Gideon goes and he takes action on two altars. The first altar is this. He builds an altar for God. That's what he does first. And when he builds this altar for Yahweh, he gets a revelation about God's personality and he proclaims that the Lord is peace. That's the revelation that, that Gideon receives. The Lord is peace. So he builds an altar for God. He receives revelation that the Lord is peace. That's the first altar that he takes action on. He builds an altar of devotion. Okay, you can't miss this. He builds an altar of devotion. This is how he gets anointed. But Gideon does not get anointed just because he builds an altar of devotion, not just because he comes to church, not just because he does his daily devotional, not just because he gives in the tithe and the offering. No, it's not just because of those good things that he does, but because he stands up and he confronts another altar 
which is not the altar of Yahweh. It is the altar of Baal, and he destroys the altar of Baal. He takes action, uh, not just on God's altar, but upon the altar of the enemy that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, and he absolutely destroys it. He destroys the altar of Baal. He cuts down the Asherah poles. And then what happens? He ends up getting in trouble for this because those, those altars unto Baal and Asherah belong to his father, and they were considered to be the centerpiece of the community. And in the morning time, Gideon was afraid, by the way. He took a few people with him at night to break these pole, this pole and this altar down. And so in the morning time, when the community works up, uh, wakes up, they're starting to say, who would have who done this? And uh, come to find out, of course, it was Gideon. And he earns himself a new name as a result, which is Jerebabel, which actually translates as the challenger of Baal. Uh, Gideon's father said, hey, if, uh, if Gideon wants to pick a fight with Baal, let's see what Baal is going to do to Gideon. And as we know, Baal has no effect on Gideon because Gideon's chosen to be obedient to the Lord and break down the altars of idolatry and build up the altars of Yahweh. This is how Gideon gets anointed for his task. And if you are going to be a leader in 21, if you're going to be someone that is anointed to call the armies of God out of seclusion, if you're going to be somebody that calls calls the armies of God out of that place of fear, then you're going to have to do what Gideon did and get anointed by uh, consecrating yourself to the altar of God and becoming a mighty warrior and destroying the altars of idolatry in your life. This is point two. I have three points. This is point two for you today. Make this choice. This is part of the, the pledge of the mighty. Make this choice. 2021 is the year that I choose to build an altar of devotion to God and destroy every altar of idolatry in my life. Let me say it again. 21 is the year I choose to build an altar of devotion to God and destroy every altar of idolatry in my life. Now, what is an altar of idolatry? Well, an idol is anything that you have to check with before you say yes to God. That's what an idol is. And um, I want to encourage you to hunt those places down. I want you to examine the portions of your heart that you are holding back from Jesus and you're not allowing him access to. Is that your finances? Is that your resources? Is that your relationships? Is that your home life? Is that your hobbies? Is there anything that you're hiding away from God, not allowing him to address? Is there anything that you're checking with before you decide to surrender to the Holy Spirit and follow in his plans and purposes for your life? That is an idol. And in 2021, that thing has to go. And you destroy it with severity and you destroy it with urgency. I'm going to encourage you even today in Jesus' name, don't even let the new calendar year arrive with that idolatry still being tolerated in your heart or your home. I want you to take it out now. I want you to make a decision today to repent and to destroy every altar of Baal. I want you to cut down every Asherah pole. Obviously, this is figurative. Uh, but I want, you to, I want you to take that type of Gideon action because you're making a pledge of the mighty today to take you into 2021. Now, Gideon was a leader. We know leaders have to make hard decisions. And that's where this revelation that the Lord is, in fact, peace comes into play in a very powerful way. Because when we approach forks in the road, we have to decide what is the pathway of peace. But if we will pray and we will ask God what he is saying, then we will be led in the right 
way. If there's something you feel like the Holy Spirit is bringing up to you right now, would you just ask God what he thinks about it? If there's something you've been holding back from the Lord, will you ask God what he thinks about it? If there's something that you've been on the fence about, would you ask God to highlight his path of peace? Because what Gideon says is true about God, and that is that he is a God of peace. So stop. If I could just speak this to you plainly this morning, church, stop tolerating sin. Stop tolerating idolatry. You are a mighty warrior. You are called to release a clarion call to the body of Christ and call people out of hiding in fear and call people into inhabiting uh, their promised land. So I want you to destroy everything that's holding you back from inhabiting. Do not get sentimental about sin. Obviously, we see here that Gideon destroyed his own dad's idolatry. I know sometimes for the sake of protecting precious relationships, we'll get sentimental about sin and we won't confront it. Confront it, church family. The altar of Baal uh, belonged to Gideon's dad, but he destroyed it anyway. And so I want you to do the very same thing. Now, moving into the last point here, we, we know that God anoints uh, Gideon and that he calls together this army for inhabitation. And what they're going to do here, if you continue to read the story, is they're going to run out the Midianites and they're going to run into their own territory. So when Gideon delivers this call, uh, 32,000 Israelites join Gideon uh, to inhabit the territory that God has for them. But God actually reduces their number because he wants Israel to know that when they defeat the Midianites, they do not do so by their own strengths or ability, but they do so because God is with them and God would like to receive the glory from Israel's victory. So he reduces the number from 32,000, which by the way, they were already outnumbered. 32,000 against 120,000, that's a pretty significant difference. But God reduces the number of the Israelites even the more. He drops it to 10,000. So now there's only 10,000 people who, who are there with Gideon uh, to face the Midianites. And, um, and, then, and then God decides to do, guess what? Reduce the number again. And this is an even, even the more sizable reduction. He says, you know what? I've reduced it from 32 to 10,000. Now I'm going to reduce it from 10,000 to 300. I'm going to have 300, 300 uh, soldiers confront over 120,000 soldiers of the Midianites. And because I'm on their side, they're the majority and they're going to get the victory. Church, you may feel small in number. You may feel as though, you know, Christians have been reduced in number this year. But listen, the, the, the side of the Lord is the side of the majority. Uh, even in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 14, when we see Jonathan and his nameless armor bearer confront the Philistine garrison, Jonathan says something so profound. He said, uh, God is able to save by many or he's able to save by few. See, the, the numbers, the amount of followers does not have any impact on God's ability to step into victory. God does what he wants and wherever he resides is the, res is the side of, of victory. And that's what God is teaching his people through this. And so he tells Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reduce the number from 10,000 to 300. But how does Gideon know who to select to bring with him into war? God says, I want you to watch how they drink. And there's plenty of ways that we can uh, take that illustration. But I did a little research on, on what that could have meant. 
And basically what ended up happening in the story was this, is that those who drank on guard were kept and those who drank from their knees were sent away. Uh, so the Lord tells Gideon, he says, watch how these warriors drink. And, and there, there was one group of, of people, which was the majority, that dropped to their knees and, and they pressed their, their lips to the water and they drank from the water that way. So they were on their knees drinking from the water. And then there was another group, and this was the 300, that did not go down to their knees, but they brought the water, sort of made a, a bowl or a cup out of their, out of their hand, and they brought their wa the water up to their mouth, and the Bible says that they lapped it like a dog, okay? And there, there, there are so many reasons, so many, different, um, so many different commentaries, and scholars believe different reasons for this, but I'll, I'll show you some of the... Some of the uh, some of the reasons that I thought were interesting as to why God may uh, show this group of people as not being needed and this group of people as the ones he selects. So here, here's just some, some, some food for thought, okay? So it was commonplace in this time for idolic worship, uh, particularly the worship of Baal, to be done from your knees, Okay, and that's why we see in uh, when when God speaks to Elijah, when Elijah is complaining about uh, the prophets of Baal, uh, God says, I have reserved 7,000 people. You, you guys remember this? I have reserved 7,000 that have not bowed their knee, emphasis, they have not bowed their knee to Baal. Okay, so there could have been uh, an illustration here that those who dropped to their knees to drink water, that this was their, their natural, uh, normal, recurring response. Uh, so the Bible may be uh, alluding to the fact that from these 10,000, that 9,700 had been uh, at some point in time worshipers or had worshiped or had given into the idolatry of the day and had actually embraced Baal worship at some point. So if this in fact is the case, then we might deduce that those who drank from their knees may have engaged in idolatry before and were not able to curb their natural appetites or desires. Instead of bringing the water up in a way that they were on guard, bringing the water up in the way that they were prepared, bringing the water up in the way that they were stable, uh, they, they just plunged their face into the water, just drinking as quickly as they could. They were not able to keep their natural appetites in check. Could also be another point to consider illustrating uh, the difference between this, these groups. So perhaps the 300 were the remnant group. They were the last standing group. And they were those that refused, uh, that had refused idolatry, the idolatry of the day, and they had resisted temptation in their lives. They had remained vigilant with their hearts, and they were cautious to honor God, and they did not move along with the masses. They went against the grain of the predominant cultural script of their day, and I really do believe that that is what marked the 300. They had not bowed their knee to Baal. They had not bowed 
bowed their knee to idolatry. They had resist, resisted temptation. They had stayed vigilant. They had stayed watching and watchful in prayer. And they had curbed their natural appetites to say, I am more hungry for God to move than I am for whatever is popular in the moment. That's what I believe set apart the 300. And that's what I believe uh, sets apart this house and this community and this family is that we are going to be a part of that remnant group that is not going to huddle together in fear. We're not going to look at the predominant the societal script of the day and engage in that diet. We're going to say we believe uh, God. We believe God's word. We're going to move in God's word. And the only thing that will satisfy our soul is a touch from the Lord that will inhabit this house. This is not our house. This is his house. We're going to be a part of that 300, which brings me to point number three, church. Uh, last and final point. Uh, point three, make this choice. This is a part of the Pledge of the Mighty. 2021 is going to be the year that I choose to belong to a tribe that takes God and his word seriously and severely. Let me say it again. 2021 is the year I choose to belong to a tribe that takes God and his word seriously and severely. You are invited to be a part of a tribe like that uh, here at Legacy. Uh, we have every in intent to inhabit every space that God has promised us together as a family. God is going to inhabit our, our hearts. God is going to inhabit our house. And we are going to inhabit his cities. And we are going to bring revival and reformation to the places that God has revealed to us to go. So I would like to say this in closing. Church, stop playing with church. Stop playing church. Stop playing with church. I love you. Please receive my admonishment. Church is serious business. Getting a part of a tribe that takes God at his word is serious business. Be a part of a people that takes God serious and takes his word severely. Get back in the house if you've wandered astray. Get back in the church. Make a choice to belong to the army of the Lord. Be a part of his purposes in this hour. Belong to a praying tribe, to an intercessory tribe, to a tribe that has faith and puts stock in the word of the Lord over the season, that believes for big things, that we might run out every Midianite uh, from our, our, uh, our, our territory and that we might inhabit those places as God has promised. So let's be about that life in 2021 legacy church family so let me recap the commitments here uh, for you remember this is the pledge of the mighty number one make this choice 2021 is the year that i choose to believe what god says about me number number two 2021 is the year i choose to build an altar of devotion to god and destroy every altar of idolatry in my life and point number three, 2021 is the year that I choose to belong to a tribe that takes God and his word seriously and severely. Those are the commitments and the pledge of the mighty. And I pray now in Jesus' name against every single bit of fear and doubt. I command it to go in the mighty name of Jesus. Fear and doubt, I plead the blood of Jesus against you right now. You, you have no authority over the people of God. The blood of Jesus is against you. Lord, I pray you'd raise up a standard against the enemy today. I pray you'd move in the saints of God today, that they would have the confidence in them that Jesus had in himself as he carried his cross to the mount of the skull. Lord, I thank you for an eternal perspective. Lord, we're not living for temporary things here upon the earth. We're living 
living for eternal riches in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. Lord, would you anoint us as leaders this year? God, would you anoint us as Gideons? Lord, would you reveal to us the tribe that we are to belong to and be a part of? And Lord, may we go headlong into that tribe, knowing that you have positioned us in this family for a reason, for a season. God, we believe that you are moving through our houses as we pray and we honor you with everything that we do. God, take center stage in this house legacy, inhabit this house and inhabit our hearts and send us into the places that you have for us to inhabit. I believe we are a part of a family of mighty warriors and we speak that over ourselves as we close. Lord, we are mighty warriors and God is with us. The Lord is with us, mighty warriors. We pray and receive this word today in Jesus' name. If you agree, just say, I agree. From wherever you are in the world this morning, just say, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. You're a mighty warrior. 2021 is going to be different because you're of, of your obedience and your surrender. So be blessed, love God, love people, and change the, uh, change the world. 2021 is your year. I love you, church. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.